Hello, this is episode 292 and in it, I'm continuing my conversation with Jesse Clark, Innovation and R&D Manager at ProClimber. So if you haven't listened to part one of my conversation with Jesse yet, make sure you head back to episode 291. You'll hear Jesse provide a really great foundational understanding of building science and moisture management in our homes and what to be aware of and how we got to this position that we're in, uh, you know, in the first place. And you can download a free transcript of that episode by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 291. That's the numbers 291. Now, in this episode, Jesse talks about the NCC 2022 updates and his thoughts on them. He also shares what he thinks is missing and what you need to be aware of so that you don't create those unintended consequences that he was talking about. And you'll learn more about how to detail the roofs and the walls of your home and also why you can't rely on your external cladding to make your home weather resistive, which can be quite a strange thought for a lot of homeowners when I first alert them to this. Your external cladding isn't necessarily the the only line of defence in your home that you'll need to think about. You're also going to get some really great tips on how to discuss all of this stuff with your team, especially your builder, and you'll learn key things to do in your project to ensure that your building system works for your climate and its humidity so that you can set this up really well in your project overall. Now, remember, if you'd like to grab a full transcript of this episode and the links that we share, I've got all of that available for you on www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 292. That's the numbers 292. Now, let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in Northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect, and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect, and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building, and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands, and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about leveling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website, and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take, and the best way to create a home that works, feels great, and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. 
Before I jump into part two of my conversation with Jesse, let me just remind you about Jesse and about ProClimber. So Jesse Clark has more than 20 years experience in the construction industry. He holds the technical lead role of the innovation and R&D manager at ProClimber, servicing Australia and New Zealand. And Jesse is an active advocate for a holistic approach to the development of industry guidance, standards and codes. ProClimber operates across the globe in more than 40 countries and enables healthy living conditions by protecting building structures from external and internal moisture damage. And their extensive range of high performance weather tightness and air tightness systems help to create draft free, long lasting and low allergen emitting surroundings for families, schools and businesses. Let's jump into my conversation with Jesse now. You know, it, people also leave behind the thought process of the fact that there's moisture moving or, or vapor moving from the inside to the outside as well. And if it's going to hit the back of the cladding, where's it going to go? It's going to go straight back into your, if you don't have that weather resistive barrier at, or and with it's got that, you know, the required level of vapor permeability for your climate, it's going to go straight back into what's ever within the wall. And that could be insulation or that could be your timber stud frame and then just sit there and not be able to dry out because you've created this kind of locked zone for it that then it's going to, you know, be sort of just hanging out there causing mold and problems and things like that. So it's, I think, you know, I think this is why a lot of homeowners struggle and industry as well struggle to kind of consider it because conceptually we come from a very different mindset about how walls perform and what walls do. And, you know, and we built houses that pretty much like tents for a really long time. I mean, my house is point in case it was built by a builder himself that it was his own home and he was you know I think he'd been building for 30 years when he built this place it is incredibly well built but for the environment and the thermal performance and the climate it is not at all and so it's really interesting to see then because there's no management of the air movement it is ridiculously cold as a house in winter you know all of those kinds of things have come into play because they're you know that we've but we that's how we think houses still need to be built so really dis, it's must be really challenging at proclimate to kind of disrupt because you are bringing european thinking i think into the way that we build homes but there's an immediate disconnect of we don't need it because we've not done that in the past and we're fine but that whole thing of trying to avoid the leaky building syndrome that canada and new zealand have both been through you know i think is um is so imperative yeah, absolutely. It, it's, you know, I've had, had this conversation of, you know, can, can you leapfrog the problem or do you have to create the problem and then solve it? It's the problem's always going to, it's going to come. I mean, it's there. It's there already. I mean, the we, we've got some really strong advocates uh, for ProClima in the cooler regions of Australia in, in Melbourne and Tasmania because they're in the thick of it because the when you increase the energy efficiency, obviously you see that these problems first in the coolest regions. But when you start increasing it higher, that latitudinal line of pain, if you like, will just start to create increase further and further north. So the, the the moisture problem is there, but that European thinking that you're talking about is back to the original question of why did we do the study? Because that's why we had to do the study. Because like, well, actually, this has been experienced. This what I call the the cascade of intervention. Uh, the cascade of intervention was you put insulation in your building, you change the dynamics. Oh, hang on, we're starting to create a moisture problem. All right, what are we going to do here? Okay, we need ventilated cavities. Oh, we need vapor permeable membranes. Oh, hang on, that's not enough either. Okay, we need vapor control layers on the inside of the structure, which we haven't got to yet. What an IAB is on the inside of the structure. And oh, hang on, 
we need to also ventilate the indoor environment to make sure that we've got you know low lower humidity on the inside and purge out all the contaminants and good indoor air quality and all those things and before you know it you've gone through this cascade of inter intervention that actually leads you to something that looks like the the, the five pillars of passive health <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's it's funny because people hear passive house and think I don't want to go that far and it's like well just the merits of it actually are that it's it is the thing that will help you create longevity and health in your building so <laughs> and, and the only the, yeah the only reason I ended up where I am is because I was going well if I do that what happens but if I do that what happens if I do that what happens and you go like you said you, you lead yourself through the thinking to something that looks like passive house not necessarily passive house but it might look like passive house i mean there's other schools of thought too it's not just you know we'll, we'll fully seal have huge amounts of insulation have a mechanical ventilation system and everything will be hunky-dory but there's you know there's the, the the older style you know naturally ventilate and you know do do the solar passive design sort of side of the argument and there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but when you look at the statistics on space conditioning in buildings then you start to go holy cow almost everyone in this country has an air conditioner or a re reverse cycle air conditioner and particularly all the new home builds so do you try and pull down that whole industry of the air conditioning industry and say hey no one can have air ban air conditioners basically and therefore we all live in naturally aspirated naturally ventilated environments that uh comfortable or maybe sometimes uncomfortable or you design buildings that are really well suited to be space conditioned have a much higher level of comfort for a much longer duration of time and neither of them are wrong it's just what's the market drivers that are pushing us down a certain avenue yep yeah Okay. Uh, well, uh, yeah, that, 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 that there is a whole can of worms that we, <laughs> we could open up. But before, I, I want to jump into the National Construction Code, but before I do, I just want to close out that. Can you just talk us quickly through what an IAB is? Yeah. Okay. So we talked about WRB, which is on the outside of the construction system. IAB is, is, is I've actually got a, somewhere in my archive a whole matrix of what people call these around the world, and it could be smart vapour control layer, a smart vapor retarder, intelligent air barrier, um, vapor check, depending on where you are in the world, US, Ireland, you know, <laughs> Australia. Um, but ultimately, it's a membrane. It's an airtight membrane on the inside of the insulated framed structure, generally, generally speaking. So that airtight layer also has the intelligent aspect to it uh, or smart aspect. And that intelligent aspect is that it actually operates uh, slightly differently depending on what the uh, conditions are around that membrane. So in the summer and winter, you get slightly different conditions because you're uh, heating in the winter. So you've got a warmer environment in the, in the winter and the membrane operates as a high vapour resistance membrane stopping water vapour going into the wall system, uh, potentially uh, creating condensation. For that to work really effectively, that membrane needs to be as airtight as possible. So that's why it's an intelligent air barrier because it's got that smart vapor control function, but also it needs to be airtight. So the airtightness, if you have holes in an airtight layer, you potentially get water vapor bypassing or getting a free ride through those holes and you, you, your layer doesn't do what it's meant to do. 
then go on the other side of the coin, which is to summer. In summer, you potentially got higher humidity on the outside of the building, warmer conditions, which means you've got water vapor going, trying to push backwards into the construction system, into the cooler, drier air conditioned environment on the inside. And in those conditions, that's when the intelligent air barrier on the inside actually becomes more vapor permeable. So it actually allows water vapor to come back into the inside of the building to some extent. Uh, and the reason for that is because historically in North America and parts of the US, they had tried using just plain vapor barriers on the inside of the structure. And I'm talking about really cheap polyethylene or polypropylene builder's plastic. And what happened then is you get sweating. You get like in some, you end up with these sweating in, in, uh, behind the membranes. And the reason the Intello Plus product that Proclimacells was developed was to stop that, that sweating process happening in, um, in summer conditions. So it allows the water vapor to dry back inwards um, and gives it much faster drying of the construction system should there be any moisture in that construction system. So, yeah, the intelligent part is essentially that, that, that ability to be able to change with those differing summer winter conditions. Okay. No, that's great. Thank you for that run through. I think that's given everybody kind of a comprehensive understanding of that. And obviously the conversation about classes, I want to dive into that a little bit uh, around just in regards to the changes to the National Construction Code. So obviously 20, National Construction Code 2022, we've seen some big changes around condensation management. Um, I think there's been for the first time, the code's actually explicitly addressing the link between the building construction and human health and what that, you know, the the interplay between the two of them and the issues with mould in building envelopes. Um, you know, you look at, look at the stuff that's online on the ABCB website, they're actually explicitly talking about mould problems and those kinds of things, which I've never seen in National Construction Code presentations before, which is actually really interesting. Can you take us through some of the things that, ex I know that you are heavily involved and in, uh, in terms of conversations about building codes and things like that. Can you talk us through some of the things that excite you about these updates to NCC 2022 and also where you feel it's still lacking and, and homeowners need to be aware of this as they as they navigate it? Yeah, I guess as you would be well aware, there's there's generally two pathways to compliance with the building code. There's the, the deem to satisfy, just do this and she'll be right, it will work. And then there's the verification method, which is you use a different pathway to, to prove that your building actually works. And to be honest, the deemed to satisfy in the um, health and amenity section for condensation management in 2022 is still lacking because it's still, it's talking about vapor permeable membranes, which is a great step in the right direction, but it's really difficult to get a membrane vapor permeable enough to completely eliminate the risk of any condensation or any mold growth behind that membrane. The other pathway to comply is that because you need the ventilated cavity well, as well. Is yeah, that what you think? Things, yeah. Yeah. yeah, sorry. <laughs> there's a few other things that need to go with that vapor permeable membrane. It's not just, oh, I put a membrane in that has a certain specification and it's all okay. A product itself is not a solution to any problem, it's a system design solution. And that's where the architects come in because they need that ventilated cavity on the outside of the vapor permeable membrane. If you put a piece of steel sheeting, steel cladding up against the vapor permeable membrane, it's not going to do anything. And any, any monkey can see that, or I hope they can. But <laughs> um, so you think about that and go, okay, so I batten that piece of steel off and now I've got a ventilated cavity, I can get the, the water vapor out of the system. So that cavity is critically important to it, which is a big discussion point uh, as well. 
in you know the building codes level and future revisions of the building code but then even that's not enough because the vapor permeable membrane itself it might be class four might be class three depending on well class four in the colder climates is forcing you down that you know climate zone six seven and eight you have to have the most vapor permeable class of membrane but even then is a class four vapor permeable membrane permeable enough and i always ask the question what's the most vapor permeable membrane you can get do you know what it is no nothing <laughs> it's, a, it's air you just get the membrane out and the water vapor can go straight oh but hang on how am I going to weatherproof my building if I've got no membrane in there? Yeah. So now you've got this double-edged sword. I need to put a membrane in, but I need that membrane to be as vapor permeable as possible to allow the water vapor out. But also, if I drive the vapor permeability of the membrane too high, then I start to compromise the durability of that membrane because you can make them super vapor permeable, and I've done this around the world, but they super vapor permeable membranes had massive durability issues which then led to, in Germany, led to uh, failures of those membranes, which then led to water ingress or failure of the weatherproofing systems, which is actually worse than the condensation problem. But, you know, so, so it's, this is the double-edged sword. So then you go, okay, I've got this membrane in there. It's vapor permeable, but it's as vapor permeable as it can get, but I still might end up with high humidity condensation mold behind that membrane, depending on where I am in Australia. Okay, so now what do we do? we potentially got to go into a verification method. If we really want to get a good answer, we do a calculation on that and we use the best um, tools we got, like the Woofy Pro software from Fraunhofer. And we have a look at that uh, system in terms of the material layers and find out if we actually need additional vapor control layers in that system. And if you want to actually be certain that that system is going to be pretty close to zero risk of, I can't say zero risk, but close to zero risk of mole growth, then you need to have vapor control layers. And that is, and this is, you know, well, why are we doing all this stuff? Why are we adding exterior membranes, insulation, interior membranes? Well, it all stems back to that cascade of intervention, which is we started insulating buildings. And these just slowly come revision, iteration after iteration of the building code until we end up with something that is, looks something like passive house. So anyway, so that's, why you might need to go down the verification method to actually prove or be certain that you're going to be building good construction systems um, that won't create risks of mould anywhere in Australia. Gotcha. I think that's a good run through in terms of people understanding it because I've heard you say as well that you feel that everybody should be specifying a class four membrane, um, even in the in climate zones four and five. You know, why why is that that you think that you should just go to that class four? Is it because it's as vapor permeable as possible, but as yeah, so so the class four is always the best option. You start with, I mean, Professor Dr. Professor Hartwood Kunzel from Fraunhofer Institute first said this to me. He said, you need to make construction systems as vapour permeable as possible and only as vapour resistive as necessary. So vapour permeable as possible and you make all the layers vapour permeable, ventilated cavities. Cl- climate zone four and five, they need it because when I've done calculations using this Woofy software, it's like, it's not good enough having a class three membrane. It's still showing up some risks of mold. Make it class four. But even then, the next step is, well, it's class four, but hey, have you even also considered you might need that internal vapor control layer as well? There's a lot of you know pushback. There can be a lot of pushback on the interior uh, membranes. But if you really look into it and you start doing the calculations, it becomes pretty obvious that it's a good idea in almost all climate zones apart from the tropics. Okay. 
I think it's really interesting because um, a lot. I know that a lot of homeowners, their heads will be spinning right now. <laughs> They'll be saying to me, oh, there's too much, too much, too much. How do you actually suggest that they navigate and understand it? Because I find that a lot of them have to lead their team through it. They have to, you know, their team will only know so much. Of course, there's loads of professionals out there that are all across this doing a lot to upskill themselves. But unfortunately, it's not the majority of the industry. And so there's still a lot of homeowners who, and it was why Undercover Architect was created in the first case face first place because I felt that if I educated homeowners, they would help elevate the standard of the industry overall because they'd be demanding better. So but it, it it does become problematic for them because they almost need to be experts at this in this themselves in order to be able to have conversations with their team to kind of guide that through. The Proclimber Report, of course, is an amazing resource that they could access. Is there a no-brainer spec that they should sort of be discussing with their team or how do they, you know, like always get a woofie done? You know, that's just what we're going to have to budget for so that we know that that wall composition is going to work you know how do they sort of do that without having to become ninjas at all of building wrap information and that kind of stuff yeah and, and and you're absolutely right because it's a difficult situation it's like too, too much knowledge i mean i've experienced this too much knowledge ends up becoming a curse because you, you know what can go wrong and you're like uh you know i just wish i was a little bit more ignorant and could just build what the building code says and be happy about it. <laughs> i can't i can't i can't do that anymore i can't just go build a building code building and it'll be all right so you push down the route and then I guess the, the standard, I mean, we've got a standard proclimate system, which is a timber stud frame wall. It is pretty typical in Australia, whether whether it's a fibre cement butt-in, whether it's a weatherboard, whether it's, you know, a telebond mini orb on the outside. If you've got the ventilated cavity behind those cladings or, five, oh, sorry, a brick veneer as well. So you've got all those, all those different cladding types, but you've got a cavity always have a cavity in there, drain and ventilated cavity, then you just protect that timber, insulated timber structure with an exterior membrane, class wall vapor permeable. And if you use an intelligent air barrier on the inside, you don't need to do a woofy calculation. If you start to try and innovate, which I see a lot of architects or you know homeowners or anyone just trying to come up with new construction systems and different material layers in different positions and and you're like, well, if you're going to start putting continuous foam insulation in your construction systems, I'd say get a woofy done. High flag, like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a red flag to say, you know, you started putting these high resistance foam insulation types into your construction system. You need to know what you're doing. So there is off-the-shelf off solutions, the ProClimb offer, which I'm describing, the, you know, the, the, the WRB on the outside of the timber and the, the IAB on the inside. And that's pretty typical. So that fits into a, a, just a standard construction, residential construction systems, or whether it's a, a roof system too. So cathedral and skillion style roofs are always the um, safest to build from a moisture perspective. Because when you start getting into ventilated truss roofs, it's just so unpredictable in, in, in the way they, they operate because the, the ventilation in the roof, it's much more predictable to have a closed timber structure external membrane, internal membrane, insulation, fully filling the timber structure. Then you can predict what's going to happen when all those layers are airtight and sealed up. You can predict what's going to happen because you know where the, the water vapor is going to flow and you can do a tuned woofy analysis to work out what the risks are. So there are off-the-shelf systems. We're working, always working towards better content, better information to make it easier for the, the homeowners and specifiers just to, to, to take that and run with it. Uh, it just takes time. It, it, it's, but until then, we we have to work together and potentially, yeah, you know, get engineering cal calculations done using Woofy when it's when it's necessary. 
Can we just quickly, before we wrap up, just touch on the roof conversation that you just sort of opened there? Because I know that I get shown a lot of flat roof designs or very shallow pitch roof designs in the homeowners that I um, speak to and see their projects. And that's always, of course, a concern just in terms of its condensation management and the profile that they might be choosing, how thin they're making it. Because often flat roofs are obviously very thin in profile. A lot of people are then going to use Anticon, which of course in its name says anti-condensation. So, you know, a lot of people are doing that and not understanding that they might set themselves up for some issues. Equally, they're looking at fully making their roof space fully airtight and insulating into the house. And, you know, so how do people need to think about their roof um, design, particularly in flat roofs, to ensure that they're not setting themselves up for problems over and above, you know, some of the building code kind of stipulations? I, I feel like that you might have uh, got access to my computer and looked into the R&D pipeline. And... <laughs> uh, but we're, we're soon to launch a new system, um, which is a ceiling style, you know, rafter trap style roof down to two degree pitch in Australia, uh, which will include membranes on the outside, but full adhesive membranes over a rigid board, an intelligent air barrier on the inside and a ventilated, you know, battened, counter-battened system on the, above the membrane on the outside to hold the cladding. So it's always going to be a, a clip-lock style roof or one of those, you know, um, long-run profile metal things down at those low pitches. Uh, so it's a ventilated system. It's the same as a wall, but it's on a, a, a two or three degree pitch. And that essentially works the same way as I described for the wall. But those systems, we've had um, feedback from a lot of the architectural roofers using, you know, standing seam roofs in Australia. That when you start to load rigid boards into uh, behind a metal sheet roofing, they're, they're having problems with those boards going mouldy and potentially rotting out. And that's why on those roof systems and the, the skilly and really low pitch rafter roofs, you actually need that intelligent air barrier. And you're probably going to need it. Yeah, on the inside. And you're going to need that in all climates. Uh, possibly just not, again, the tropics, so like the real top end of Australia. But the other thing to consider in roofs, and I should say this, is the colour of the cladding. Because you make white roofs, and you know, I hope I don't get concrete boots for this, but you make white roofs, you will lower the temperature of the roof in summer, which is great, but you'll also lower the temperature, the overall temperature of that roof in winter. And it actually increases the risk of mould, condensation, timber rot of the rigid sheathing boards in the winter months so it's always when you change a design parameter you've got two sides of the coin so designing white roofs are good for summer but you also need to consider is there, is there a risk or an increased risk of, of moisture problems in the winter and if you're going to start to do white roofs in melbourne on this flat style roofs with long run metal you really need to be careful about um, about the roof color yeah i think that 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 definitely is a climate exercise for people to analyze because I know that a lot of the southern states um, I speak to a lot of professionals because I've I've done a lot of uh, provided a lot of information in the past about how dark roofs are 70 percent of the sales and we really need to move away from them due to the urban heat sinks that are causing and the radiated heat and all of those kinds of things and but I think that, and I've had lots of people in the southern states say, no, Amelia, you don't understand here. It's actually required for heat, for winter warming for us to have darker roofs. And then it's, well, is the extremes that you're experiencing from a thermal point of view in summer, because you will get high extremes in your weather modelling with a dark roof, do they counteract the benefits that you get in winter? Um, but I think then also coupling that with an understanding of how that colour might perform 
in the in the design that you've chosen for your roof, the proximity that that metal sheet has to whatever the layer is underneath it, and then what that means for condensation and mold growth. That becomes, yeah, that's such a, a nuanced climate thing, isn't it? Because there'll be places where it's milder climate that it's not such a drama in that regard. So Absolutely. It's a heat balance um, question. Uh, and the heat balance, in, in it, it's not a winter or summer discussion, which it, which always frustrates me and, and the reason, and the building code, which talked about heat flow in, heat flow out and designing our values for, for different directions of heat flow. So pretty much saying you're in a hot climate or you're in a cold climate, which is not true in Melbourne. Melbourne, you're stinking hot in summer and not too pleasantly warm in winter. <laughs> it, it, it's a bit, a bit cold and brisk in the winter. So you need to design to make sure both those seasons work. And if you can design a light-coloured roof with a proper ventilation strategy under the light-coloured roof with proper vapour permeable membranes, vapour control layers underneath, and get it to work from a hydrothermal balance in winter, that's awesome because you get the best of both worlds. You get a light roof in for the summer performance, but you also have the proper systems in there to prevent the winter perverse outcomes. And that's what I would like to do, deliver systems that work in both seasons, not mm-hmm. an either-or. Well, Jesse, it's been fantastic having this conversation with you. I know I could keep going and ask just pummeling with you, quest- you with questions, I imagine, but um, I, I want to make sure that I don't take up too much of your time. But yeah, I want to thank you so much for the expertise that you've shared and just being able to break it down for people to understand. I would really encourage uh, the listening audience to check out the ProClimber report. And what I love about the way that ProClimber have run your distribution system, because obviously you've got a lot of builders that are suppliers um, and uh, industry professionals that are suppliers of ProClimber. So I find that there's, uh, in terms of the ability to access detail uh, information that you can then apply to your own project is a lot more accessible. You're not having to ring the technical hotline of, you know, a big, big supplier. You're actually getting to ring these individuals who are using this product and then um, can give you kind of insights into how to best do it. And I also know like we're doing some work up in Brisbane at the moment and the um, pro climber rep Stuart Shelton, who's also a builder, he's actually coming to help the builder understand how to this stuff gets applied and how to actually best install it. So you make sure it, it manages all the air tightness and everything like that. So um, it's been really fantastic to meet you and to speak with you. And I can't thank you enough for your time and, and just what you keep doing in terms of the information and knowledge that you put out into the industry. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Amelia. It's good to hear that um, the, the, the system that we set up is uh, kind of working as it was planned. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. It's great to have all those uh, distributor partner network with, with highly knowledgeable people that you can lean on. So uh, please do, yeah, to all your listeners, please lean on our, our network of distributors and, and partners. Um, yeah, they're, they're good people and uh, have a lot of knowledge. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Jesse. Yeah, thanks, Amelia. And that's it for part two of my conversation with Jesse and the amazing insights and knowledge that Jesse shared with us overall. In a future episode in this NCC 2022 series, I'll actually be talking with Jessica Allen from Climashore in more detail about the process of getting a woofy analysis in your project. So you'll, you heard Jesse mention that a few times. You'll learn more about the details of what's involved in getting a woofy analysis when I chat to Jessica in an upcoming episode. And be sure to check out the downloads on the ProClimber website for more information and help as well. Look, there are other companies out there that are making building wraps and membranes for residential projects. I've just never found any of them to be as helpful or clear or thorough in the education and information that they're disseminating as ProClimber is, you know, and that's why we're talking about 
pro climber in this and the last episode and why I specifically wanted to bring Jessie on. Loads of our builder members in Live Life Build, they've actually upskilled themselves over the past 12 months in pro climber wraps. Uh, we have quite a few Passive House certified builders inside the Elevate membership in Live Life Build. And, you know, generally our builders we're finding are just working hard to make sure that they're across the NCC 2022 updates and that they're creating better homes. And so there, you know, there's many of them that are doing this in conventional construction. And I also see inside my home method community as well, they're also similarly ensuring that they specify the right kind of vapor permeable membranes for their projects. A lot of them are using ProClimber. They're doing, you know, what they need to based on their climate, their home, whether they're renovating or building new. And so it's really great to see this is, you know, this is happening across the board. ProClimber and building wraps generally, they're not exclusive to passive house design and construction. Um, you know, it is being regularly used in conventional construction in all types of projects. I'm even seeing people who are building with volume builders making changes to the building wraps that they use so that they can get a better outcome. So make sure you check out the website, uh, the ProClimber website for more information and details and help. And of course, you can have a listen or a re-listen to this podcast to learn exactly what you need to do in terms of having those conversations with your team. A few reminders before I wrap up this episode. Now, remember, we've got a full transcript of this episode, which you can get as a free download. It's there as a PDF with extra resources as well. And the links that I mentioned, you can get all of that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 292. If you are an industry professional who follows Undercover Architect, it doesn't matter where you're located in the world, I would love to know more about you and I would love to have you join the UA Army. It's actually free to join and I want to be able to connect you with the Undercover Architect community more closely and immediately. And so I'd love you to go ahead uh, and uh, go to the link undercoverarchitect.com forward slash army, A-R-M-Y, and tell me more about you. And you can be doing anything in the residential design and construction industry. If you're helping homeowners in any capacity, please head there and fill that out. And of course, if you're a homeowner and you'd like more structured help and guidance and you want to feel more confident and in control and learn the step-by-step way to enjoy your project and create a home that you love living in, then my flagship program, Home Method, is going to be the perfect place for you. And inside, you'll find an incredible community of like-minded homeowners who are also navigating this journey and finding out loads of information that they're sharing there. And it's the only place that you can get access to my personalized support and guidance uh, for your project journey as well. You can find out more about Home Method by heading to undercoverarchitect.com. It's up there on the menu and the URL homemethod.com.au will also take you there. That's lots of information for you. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Just a reminder, all content on this podcast is provided by Undercover Architect for reference purposes and as general guidance. It does not take into account specific circumstances and should not be relied on in that way. You should seek independent verification or advice before relying on this content in any circumstances, including but not limited to circumstances where loss and damage may result. The views and opinions of any guests on the podcast are solely their own and may not reflect the views of Undercover Architect. Undercover Architect endeavours to publish content that is accurate at the time it is published, but does not accept responsibility for content that may or has become inaccurate over time. Thank you.